So this is a new year. Uh, a lot of people look at a new year uh, with, with kind of an, a new start, try some new things. Uh, gyms are generally a little more crowded the first part of the year. Uh, people make, you know, vows, resolutions to uh, lose that Christmas weight or get in shape. And uh, we go to a gym near our house, and uh, usually by the third week of January, it's back to normal. Um, but, you know, we, we, we try to say, I'm, I'm going to take a new start, uh, do something new. I think that's commemorate. Uh, that's, that's a good thing to do, really. But um, new things by themselves, or when we say, I'm, I'm going to start a new habit or, or do this, do that, generally don't last uh, too long. Uh, I, I like to think of, of new things, or particularly a new year, as a new starting point. For things, in other words, we don't start over in life. We've lived a lot of life, but we can have a new starting point for some things in life. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning in our message. Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Lamentations 3:23, "The Lord's compassions never fail; they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord's mercies are not new every other week." They're new every morning, every day, and uh, we need to claim that and depend on that as we we start a new year. So we're looking at, for a few Sundays, a a series called Transformed, All Things New. Uh, When when we look at the Bible and and what it says about being a transformed person, it's a whole lot different than starting a new habit or, or doing a few things to become a better person. The Bible tells us that when Christ comes into our life, he makes all things new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's a claim in Scripture. All the way through Scripture, you see that God is a transforming God. First verse of the Bible, In the beginning, God created the heavens on the earth and the earth. And he created that out of nothing. He transformed and and made a world out of his own creative hand. And that set in motion his transforming power all the way through Scripture. Following creation, he, he took the dust of the earth and transformed it into a man, Adam. He took the rib out of Adam and, and transformed that into a woman, Eve. And, and you see, from the beginning, God transformed things. He made things new. He started things. His transforming power is shown in so many ways throughout Scripture. He parted the Red Sea when the Israelites were escaping the slavery in Egypt and made a way for them to move forward. And then when they got to the Promised Land... The, 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 the Jordan River dried up in the middle so that they could go across and again get into the land. God transformed through the power of his hand the natural way things would work and intervened in that. That's his transforming power at work. Jesus' stated mission was to give sight to the blind, to release the captives, to forgive our sins, to forge a new path in life. All the way through Scripture, you see these kinds of teachings and truth. The Old Testament protected people from harm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace 
we're not harmed. That's God's transforming power, changing things from their natural course. Now, we love, and those stories that I mentioned are very prominent stories in the Bible, but the transforming power of God is at work all the time, usually in kind of quiet, everyday ways, which is what we're going to talk about today. Love those stories. They remind us that God is God and that he has that transforming power. And what for us is needed is to place our faith in the God who can transform things, can transform us. What needs transforming in our life? His ultimate transformation was was raising Jesus from the dead who conquered sin and death so that we can be transformed by the power of his blood within us, cleansing us from sin and leading us into a new life. So we're going to look at three stories of transformation during this month. The first one is probably familiar to many of you, the story of the loaves and fishes. We're going to read that scripture in just a few minutes. But first, I want to to just lay the groundwork for this. Because transformation always starts with a premise. And and that premise is that, that God will not keep you where you start in the Christian life. That's that's a premise. If, if, if we, when we receive Christ as Savior, remain the same person and, 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 and don't move forward at all, that's, that's not transforming to us. That's the starting point. And then God begins his work of growth in our lives. And so the, the premise of transformation is, is just that. God will keep you where you start. And where he takes us depends on how we respond. Now, there's a, a phrase in this last, I think it's about the last decade, since we're starting a new decade, that, that is pretty common these days, but I don't, don't think I heard it before the decade ago. It is what it is. You hear that statement? It is what it is. It's a pretty nonsensical statement, really. Well, what does it mean? It is what it is. In other words, When that's said, it's usually, this is the way things are. This is the way things will be. This is how the world works. It is what it is. A zebra won't change its stripes. A leopard can't change its spots. It is what it is. But when it comes to growing personally, that's a lie. We can change. God transforms us. That's the premise. He takes us from where we are, but he won't keep us where we are. There's a path forward always in life that he wants to lead us in if we'll allow him to do that in our life. The title of this message is Hands Available. Today we're going to speak about what was in someone's hands that they made available. God took it, blessed it, and multiplied it. John 6 1 through 14, which we're going to read in a minute. Um, this little Bible, uh, when Letha and I went to Israel a couple of years ago for a Holy Land trip, uh, this I purchased, and probably can't see it, but on the front is lo- a couple of fish and loaves. It's, it's etched into this. And this, this Bible is made out of wood from the trees in Israel. It's a very precious Bible to me. And uh, the loaves and fishes story uh, is is a very personal story. It's one I, I I 
have used often and refer to often and really look to often because it's it's such a a, a story about how God can transform us. And I know it's worked in my own life. So the loaves and fish that God took and multiplied it is what we're going to read about. So let's look in John chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. I'm going to read through it. I think it's going to be up on the screen. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Several things about this story as as, as we set the stage for this. Uh, Jesus had just been involved in in preaching and teaching and healing, and, and crowds had gathered around him because of what they saw in him. And uh, uh, he was tired. He was fatigued. He had been so busy meeting the needs of people and and responding. And so he went by this hillside just to have some time to reflect. Actually, where I got this Bible is at a was at a, a little shop on the Mount of Transfiguration, or excuse me, the Mount of the Beatitudes. Uh, that uh, is there where where you go on on this Israel trip and. And the, there's a call, uh, uh, the Church of the Beatitudes is at the top. And it's a beautiful uh, setting where the, the eight Beatitudes are uh, around the inside of, a, of, a, of the sanctuary. And it's a very worshipful place. And it's right on the side of the slope that goes down into the Sea of Galilee, where supposedly these 5,000 people were gathered for this story. Jesus had gone there to take a break. But when he saw the crowds, this passage is found in all four of the Gospels, one of, the, one of two miracles of Jesus that you see in all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the other Gospels, it says he had compassion on them. So in other words, he was tired, he, he wanted a break, he, he didn't really, at that point, want to deal with more needs. But the Bible says, as he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. The word compassion means to have one's inner being stirred. 
In other words, at your gut, you're stirred by what you see. That's compassion. And so Jesus, moved by compassion, realized that there's a need here that has to be met. These people are tired too. They're hungry. They're needy. What are we going to do? And so he had two disciples there, Andrew and, and Philip. And, and he asked them the question, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, that, that's an important question. Jesus didn't say, um, I don't think we can do this. But he looked at Philip and Andrew and said, this is how we're going to do it. Where are we going to buy bread to do it? He didn't give them the option of saying, we can't do it. But notice their responses. Philip said, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, that's kind of how many of us might respond, right? There's 5,000 people here. We don't have the money. Kind of a pessimistic view towards it. Philip was kind of the pessimistic disciple. Andrew then responded and said, well, here's a boy, a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that among this huge crowd? Andrew was the, the pragmatist. Well, there's five loaves and two fish here, but, you know, that's not going to make it either. Now, I think those two responses represent us a lot of times in life. Either something looks too overwhelming and we say, ah, it can't be done. Or we're kind of pragmatic about it. Well, uh, I've got this, but that's not enough. I'm kind of a pragmatist. I, I, I think in terms of what's available. But Jesus heard those responses said there's a young boy here. Andrew said there's this young boy with loaves and fish. So Jesus had the people sit down, 5,000 people and more, because it was said 5,000 men, so there were others there. And it says distributed the fish, the loaves and fishes, until everybody had their fill, and then there were 12 basketfuls left over. Now I do this now and then with stories like this in the Bible because details are left out. Um, first of all, uh, how, what did Jesus do to multiply this. It just says he distributed them. So five loaves and two fish became food for 5,000. How in the world did that happen? The other thing I think about is, did this young boy, was he willing to give this five loaves and two fish? That's all he had. Was he willing? Well, I bring that up because the Bible doesn't always give us details of every story, but here's the thing. It doesn't say that he was unwilling. In other words, he made it available. I don't think Jesus ripped it out of his hands. <laughs> it's not how Jesus works. He takes what we make available. Five loaves and two fish. How we multiplied them, we don't know. But it was enough for everybody with leftovers. First, there was not enough. Philip and Andrew said, that's not enough. We can't do anything with that. Jesus made it enough. He transformed those loaves and fishes into food for 5,000 plus. Very ordinary stuff. An ordinary young boy. An ordinary lunch. Fish and bread. 
There wasn't an extravagant lunch. There wasn't two T-bone steaks and five ciabatta rolls. You know, it was, it was just bread and fish. Look what Jesus made happen. There's, a, there's an ad for Capital One, the Capital One card. What's in your wallet? You ever seen that ad? What's in your wallet? If you got this card, you get great benefits. It's a great card. What's in your wallet? Jesus asked Moses, what's in your hand in the Old Testament? He was teaching them a lesson. What's in your hand, Moses? What do you have? And after he asked that question, then he said, here's how I will use what you have if you make it available. What's in your hand? What we have in our hand, whatever it might be, whatever our gifts are, whatever our talents are, whatever our abilities are, we don't have any idea about what can happen if we make it available and put it in Jesus' hands. We kind of look at it as, oh, this is what I got, but it's not much. It's not enough. What's your not enough? What's in your hand? I often use this Bible. It sits on a shelf in our living room. I, I just put it in my hand. And it's a reminder to me, Lord, this is all I got. <laughs> I got some loaves and fishes. But all through life and ministry, when I've made what God has given me available, it's amazing how he has not only sustained my life, helped some growth things to happen, removed some things out of my life to transform me, added some things so that I can become new day by day by day. I think that's the, the point of this story. Because you see, Jesus started with, with the need. He saw the need. He had compassion for the people that needed to be fed. He didn't start with what was available. He started with the need. And so when he works in your life and my life, he wants us to see that there are some things we can do with what's in our hand if we'll make them available to touch with compassion the lives and hearts of people. One by one by one. So there's, there's a few things in this story I want to apply that come out of it. First is this. Um, the story speaks to our limited response to deeds. We often have a, a limited response. We just say it's not enough. We're like Philip and Andrew. We, we, we say, well, I can't do this because I just don't have anything in my hand that's enough. I can't give money because I don't have a lot of money. I can't give time. I'm busy. Uh, I, I can't do some things. I don't have enough. So we look at the limits of what's in our hand instead of the possibilities of what God can do if we let it go. It's amazing when, when we speak to some things in our life that, that we look at a certain way. What can happen if we simply open our hands and say, Lord, this is what's in my hand. 
I believe you're a transforming God. You can transform not only what's there, but things in my life that need to be changed. You can do that. Philip was limited in his thinking when he responded to Jesus. He said, you know, where can we get enough bread? Andrew, kind of the same thing, but a little better. Well, there's five loaves and two fish. He at least recognized that there was something there. It also speaks to Jesus' miraculous power to meet needs. Um, Jesus takes ordinary things. You see a lot of the miracles in the Bible are ordinary things that Jesus transforms. Um, and, and, and in this, he took what was offered, he broke it, he blessed it, he distributed it. See, there was a process to it all. There was a plan to it all. And, and God works when we step by step by step keep following the plan. There's not going to be some big earth-shaking miracle every day that happens, but growth comes in our lives when we take a step at a time, a step at a time, Faith steps that lead us into new places. And that's when God can activate what we put in his hands from our hands. It speaks to how we can make a difference in meeting needs. Uh, When we offer our resources, and that's the totality of our life, God makes all things new. Um, Maybe you've heard, I think it's for concerts, and Disneyland, or venues, uh, you can buy an all-access pass to things. And an all-access pass gives you access to things you wouldn't have. In other words, if you go to a concert, you might be able to go backstage and meet the, meet the band. Or when you go to Disneyland, you're able to, to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and get in rides easier. When you buy an all-access pass, you have more availability to things that can happen. So Jesus is very willing and able to make all things new in our life. That's what transformation is. But we kind of have to give him the all-access pass to every part of our life. So God's not concerned about what you don't have to offer it's will you offer what you do have? So, three things. First, start with what's in your hands. Uh, sometimes in prayer, I, I just open my hands. and What's in your hands are your talents, your time, your money, your faith, your family, your relationships, all of the things that are a part of your life. you got a lot in your hands. got a lot. Now, you can kind of close it up and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to govern what I do with what I've got. It's mine. Or you open it and say, Lord, none of this is mine. It all belongs to you in the first place. And make it available. But you've got to start with what's in your hands. Whatever loaves and fishes are there. Second, make it available to Jesus. Sounds simple, but but every day we have to make a conscious decision to say, Lord, you have this in my life. 
If there's something that needs to change to be made better, you say, Lord, I, I give you this. Help me to know what to do better. Maybe it's a, a need in your family, a better relationship with a, a family member. Lord, I open my, my relationships to you. I'm, I'm kind of upset about something or angry about something. Let me open my hands so that you can show me a, a new way to handle this. There's all kinds of things we do. And third is, is dare to believe God can do the extraordinary with what's in your hands. That's the key to faith. Like I said, the premise of transformation is that God won't keep you where you start. Life changes day by day. You may have a a plan for the new year. I'm going to follow this plan. Mike Tyson, heavyweight boxer, very strong puncher. He had a, he's not a theologian, but he had a good phrase. Um, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> you know what? You're going to get punched in the face this year a few times probably. What happens when that happens? So what's your starting point for this year? Are you thinking pessimistically, practically, or powerfully? There's a big difference. I'm a fan of Peanuts. Charles Schultz. Characters, especially Charlie Brown. And I'm going to show a little clip from the Charlie Brown movie about three years ago. You know, Charlie Brown, wait just a minute on that. Charlie Brown was a lovable loser, you know. Lucy was always moving the football when he tried to kick it, and he got coal in his trick-or-treat bag and rocks. Nothing ever quite went right with Charlie Brown. But in, in, in this clip that you're going to see finally in life, he, he always loves the red-haired girl, but she, he just doesn't think he's got enough for her to respond to him. But finally, at long last, as we see in the clip, how she responds to him. Oh, hi, Charlie Brown. You remembered my name? Of course I did. Before you leave, there's something I really need to know. Why, out of all the kids in our class, would you want to be partners with me? That's easy, because I've seen the type of person you are. An insecure, wishy-washy failure? That's not who you are at all. I like the compassion you showed for your sister at the talent show, the honesty you had at the assembly, and at the dance. You were brave and funny. (laughs) And what you did for me, doing the book report while I was away, So sweet of you. So when I look at you, I don't see a failure at all. You have all the qualities that I admire. Sorry, I have to go now. Wait! I think this belongs to you. Thank you. I've been looking everywhere for this. 
right to you, pen pal. Is he okay? feel pretty great being Charlie Brown right about now. saw something in him. She brought it out. It changed him. Here's why I love this story. Loaves and fishes are ordinary stuff. We look at our hands and we say, it's ordinary stuff. Jesus looks at our hands and says, there's qualities here you don't realize. There's things that I can do through you that you have no idea. That's transformation. I believe in that with all my heart. I was uh, praying over the holidays a little bit for direction for this interim time for for you as a church. And and just just began to pray and say, Lord, you know what? Give me uh, a lightning bolt on what to do so that I'm just definitely sure how to lead during this next time. What I do often when when that happens is I I go to a devotional because usually it it either reinforces or just gives me guidance on what's on my heart. So the devotional was Hebrews 11.8, which says this, speaking about Abraham. Okay, Lord, 2020, give me clear direction. Here's what the verse says. He went without knowing. That should give you a lot of confidence. (laughs) Where are we going? Here's what I believe. God knows what's in our hands. He knows this is a new starting point. He knows there's ones, just like Charlie Brown, who who realize there's something he had to offer. There's people who need what one has to offer. They need Christ. They need fellowship. They need a unique fellowship of people that can love them and nurture them and guide them. That's our business. I believe what we have in our hands, God can take and multiply. So even though 
We're going to follow a, a process, and we'll talk about that during this month. Ultimately, we may have a plan, but unless it's undergirded by prayers, which I hope all of us do regularly, and fellowship and faithfulness and, and trust and the willingness to make what we have available, that's what God's going to take from who we are and multiply it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Just a faithful heart. We don't know where we're going. God does. Do you believe he's going to take what we have and do the same?